Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we have made it to day 20, where we pray the petition that my suffering, united to your own, will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. Grateful that you're still here, and um, yeah, persevering through on this 30-day retreat where we desire to go deeper into the very heart of God coming to desire intimacy by giving him permission to expand our capacity to trust him more and to really be reminded that without trust, any relationship is impossible. It's the raw material of any relationship. We know that on a human level, and so how much more real is that on a divine level with God himself? And so Uh, As we go through this retreat, hopefully uh, it's been encouraging for you, inspiring for you. I'm grateful, even in these last couple of days, being able to talk with a number of you and just have kind of reflected back the journey that you're on and what uh, the Lord's doing in your own heart, which is amazing. And yeah, even some glory stories of moments of trust that have been shared with me have just been really good for my own soul and, and heart and all of this too. I think we need that, thinking about the Barnabas um, idea of the son of encouragement um, today in the gospel we heard about um, Isaiah who came to King Ahaz who in the midst of great fear and trepidation over these this impending destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the nation from these two warring nations Isaiah is sent as a, a for a word of encouragement from God and just to really think about the force of that and how important that is that we might give a, ourselves you know, that room to be sources of encouragement for other people, to trust in the Lord, to not give in to self-reliance or to dependency on the world or other relationships, connections, or resources that God really wants to be our refuge, our stronghold, our stronghold, our defender. And if only we would give him that room. But it's really hard to do something that we haven't seen imitate for us. And so to have that source of encouragement is just really important. And then I don't know about you, kind of as a, a leeway into this day's petition, sometimes I'm just really struck by how many people have come before me to really pave the way for what I'm able to reap in terms of benefits today. Of course, on a spiritual level, I think about that, the image of standing on the shoulders of giants, right, with our intellectual heritage, philosophically, theologically, spiritually. Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, there (laughs) there are so many times that people can pay me a compliment about how insightful something that I said was. And it's like, yeah, that was totally stolen from some... uh, I was thinking about some insight that I had in a to a gospel. And then I came across Pope Benedict the 16th in um 
just yeah a reflection that he had in his book series that Jesus of Nazareth so good if you ever get a time to dive into that and I was reading through that and I realized oh right that's where I got that insight about that gospel passage I had just like totally forgotten it but it was in my it's like right there's just so little there's so there's so little that uh, is original in my own mind or heart and grateful for those people who have come before me and I'm sure he stole it from somebody else too. And yeah, but to think about our, our country, our nation and, and all the different things, the sacrifices, thinking about the immigrants who have come over, um, making incredible sacrifices so that, such that we can be in this country, that we can have opportunities, that we have these technological advances, um, on and on and on and on. And, you know, that we would take that for granted is a really sad thing. And I would say to the extent that we forget where we've come from and to the extent that we benefit from the sacrifices, work, labor of the generations before us, we too will fall into the trap that this petition that we pray today really encourages us to overcome, right? To pray trusting that my suffering united to your own Jesus will bear fruit in this life and the next. It's really coming to combat the fear that um, that it won't be worth it, that nothing will be able to come from this. Maybe kind of connected to the fear we prayed earlier on in this retreat, that fear that trusting in you will leave me more destitute. And, and this too is kind of this idea that I make all these sacrifices, I put in all this effort, and nothing will come from it that it it won't even benefit me. I won't be able to see any fruit or that it will pay any dividends for anybody else on down the road. And so this, right, I would just propose as a question to us before we uh, really dive into this. How much is this a part of our own heart, right? At the core is a fear of suffering, but it's especially... um, yeah, it's especially significant or pointed whenever the the suffering is connected to a meaninglessness, right? I would put it as, as, as I found out my own heart, will it be worth it, right? I just think about um, in invocations, how I don't know that I realized this was as much a fear in my own heart, but it definitely was subtly, subconsciously maybe, this idea of, Will the sacrifices that I, I make as a priest be worth it? And I, I imagine they're very similar for marriage. Will this relationship be worth it in terms of having a family? Will it be worth it to have a children? Um, so many people, I think, are hesitant to raise a family because of just how hard it is and looking at our world. And it's like, how can I raise a family to really know God and love themselves and to love others? And so I remember going through seminary, more inspiring than the young, zealous, energetic, energetic, like newly ordained priests, were the older priests that I would have a chance to meet. And just to see, no, they didn't have this like overwhelming energy, but the fire that they still had, right? The, the love and devotion that they had celebrating mass and just the tenderness and the passion that they had in preaching that did more for my own soul than anything else. And I don't know that I had the words to describe it necessarily, but today kind of connects it in my own heart. 
what I saw in them was it's worth it. It's worth it, right? That they, they still have this passion, this zeal for the priesthood and for souls and for the Lord. Um, maybe not in that order, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, so I don't know that I appreciated how much it really meant to me whenever in seminary, you know, that time of formation and preparation that I would have guys in priesthood say to me, it's worth it. It's worth it. Keep going, right? Like you might, you might not think it, it might not seem like it. And it, yeah, there's probably a lot of reasons with the sacrifices, seeing everything that you're going to give up, that you're not going to be able to have, that it's not. But I'm just telling you from the other side, like I'm here and it's not easy, but it, it's worth it. How important is that for us to, to hear? to hear. Um, Sister Faustina gives us the story of, his name is Father Yerzy Papalushko. And there's just this incredible hero of one who was not afraid to be ridiculed and beaten and just give of his own life so that not only access to Jesus Christ, but more fundamentally access to the truth, who is Jesus, who would be preserved and I think of so many other saints, too, that can really give us this witness. Um, St. Joseph is one that's close to my own heart and thinking about his role in salvation history, one that is so humble, so hidden, and in a way really gets to the, the core of this petition. St. Joseph is one who is asked to take on this incredible role of loving uh, nurturing, fostering the life of Jesus, protecting him and the Blessed Mother, this twofold innocence, purity, um, to lay down his own life and sacrificing and laboring, all with this real caveat that Joseph, you're not going to be able to see any of the fruit. <laughs> you're not going to be able to be there for your son whenever he is at his greatest moment of trial and betrayal and persecution. I know you as a dad are going to want to fight for him and are going to want to be there for him and encourage him. But Joseph, that's not your task. Your task is to be there for him only in these years of infancy and adolescence. And then you're going to have to trustingly pass on. And and just to really imagine, right, the heart of a father and what that would mean, the the real sacrifice and, and trust, right? That the suffering is not for nothing. And, and if anything, we, we know in our faith that St. Joseph was truly able to appreciate this glory, the fruit of his sacrifices, his love uh, from eternity in a most perfect way. I think about all the different things that Jesus taught throughout his years of public ministry, and I just wonder how often he was thinking about his father whenever he would say things like store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, <laughs> thinking about his dad who out of anyone else in this entire world, right? Like he did that. He was not storing up treasure in this life, but knowing that it was in heaven that he would really reap his, his reward. So St. Joseph is a great image of this. There's uh, some North American martyrs who are really close to me. If you don't know their stories, they would be a great, a group of saints and martyrs to be able to look into. This is St. John de Brebeuf, St. Isaac Jogues, and this whole crew who came over 
Um, these are some French Jesuits who came over to Canada in the early 1600s to evangelize the Native Americans. And, and they just came, really came. It was St. John de Brebeuf who came first and recognized if we really believe what we do about the gospel, if we really believe the great commissioning that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 to go out to all the world, right, and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, if we actually take Jesus' great commission to heart about without us, there will be souls who will die without knowing the love of Jesus Christ, then we need to go. And he came across uh, several different tribes of Native Americans, the Hurons first, and he wrote back to his Jesuits in, uh, I believe, France, and told them, get out of your books, get out, of, get out of the universities. There are souls here who need you to teach them the gospel and to, and to baptize them. And so he was able to encourage his brothers to come over and... It was the Hurons that they were able to really minister to. They, they were welcomed by them. And they also had to fend for their lives, for there were these roving bands of Iroquois who were really ruthless, and they were the competitors to the Hurons. And the, the Iroquois captured a num- number of Hurons and even some of these uh, Jesuits as well. And if you don't know anything about their story, they were tortured in some of the most horrific ways, um, burned with scalding hot water poured over their heads, um, these scalding hot irons put on some of the most sensitive parts of their body, parts of their flesh were f- cut off and then filleted and then eaten right in front of them. They were really diabolical in uh, cutting off some of their fingers too, uh, such that they wouldn't be able to celebrate the Mass. They understood this idea that the priest needs even his fingers to celebrate Mass. And so, diabolical stuff, right? And to think about, they knew that they were doing it for the love of God and for these souls. Here's something to consider. They died these horrific deaths, incredible sufferings. And by all accounts, they didn't see one single conversion they didn't see one single like difference that they made. Like, oh, at least it was worth it because I see this happening in you or what. But seven years later, there was born this girl in the Iroquois tribe. Her name was Katiri, who would go on to come to know Jesus Christ, know the Christian faith through the evangelizing of these North American martyrs. Right here's the first canonized Native American saint. That St. Isaac Jogue, St. John de Brebeuf, these other North, like they never saw, they never met, they never were able to see like, oh, it's going to be worth it because there's going to be this first, like they didn't, they didn't know. And yet they still were faithful and they still came and poured out their lives and they still preached the gospel and they still baptized. They still offered mass after mass, praying for God's grace to come and to be present in them. And, and soon after, right, there were 7,000 conversions uh, from the Hurons, and this just like it started to explode. And so I think about them. I think about St. Joseph, and I could go on, right? This this is just like the truth of the biblical vision of our faithfulness, that God uses it. <laughs> God uses it. One of the questions is, do we trust him enough to really not have any conditions on it, right? That I, I really trust that 
my own suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next, right? And am I okay with that? With believing that my own faithfulness, my own suffering, I might not be able to see the fruits. Am I okay? Would I be okay with that? Or is that a, um, yeah, is that a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, is that a non-negotiable? There it is. Is that a non-negotiable? Like, nope, couldn't, couldn't do it then. I love St. Paul. He says this in Romans 8, 18. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I hope you, I hope you know that verse. It's one that means a lot to me. Here's St. Paul who just looks at the sufferings of this present life. And we know St. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he talks about all of the tribulations that he's gone through from being stoned and scourged and shipwrecked and beaten and uh, left out to die, right? like one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. And so he, he's experienced the suffering, and yet what he knows and believes in who Jesus Christ is and the promise of eternal life and uniting ourselves to Jesus are worth it, are worth it in a way that it's not even worth comparing. This is like what blows my mind. There's not even a comp- a comparison or a ratio. It's not like, oh, this, um, you know, this suffering will be a hundred times greater in the glory of heaven. No, it's infinitely greater such that I can't even compare it. If we could get that into our own hearts, like what difference would that make in our own embracing of, of our life? Uh, one other anecdote that I'll, I'll share. This was a story that uh, Cardinal Dolan I heard share. When uh, Cardinal Timothy Dolan was a, a young priest, he was a parochial vicar a long, long time ago, and was you know in this little parish, and the pastor gave him an opportunity to, why don't you teach a class? Why don't you, you put something on and, and try and just, you know, teach, evangelize, build up the, the community? And this Father Dolan said, Great. Uh, I study history. I'm a historian by, by trade, I guess, and um, I'm going to teach a class on church history. And so he was all excited. He went through all this promotion, advertising, trying to build it up, trying to get as many people as possible. And the first Tuesday night that he had this class, there were a total of 10 people. <laughs> he was like, oh, no. <laughs> what, what did I do? Um, and the next week, uh, he came back, and there were seven people. And he tried to advertise, tried to build it up. And the, in the third week, there were six people. And it was about that like six or seven um, that he had for this whole several-week class. And in the end, he admitted, I just thought it was a total failure. I thought like, well, I learned my lesson. I guess I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to you know, offer a course on history or anything like that. <coughs> Years later... Um, he's a, he's a priest in another parish and he gets this phone call of someone who's, who's dying and he, yep, says immediately, I'll be there. And he, he gets his oil, he gets the blessed sacrament and, and goes and he comes into this home where, where beautifully the son has been taking care of his elderly dad aging for several years now. And just taking care of him, looking after him. And, and here, 
Father Dolan was able to um, hear this man's confession, anoint him, give him Holy Communion, viaticum, food for the journey. And afterwards, he was talking to his son. I said, what's your name? And I said, oh, Father, my name's John. Um, and Father Dolan said, can I just ask, like, I'm really inspired. Like, your love, your care for your dad, I, I just don't see anymore. People don't do that. And here you are suffering and sacrificing and just really loving your dad in this beautiful way. Like, where'd you get that? And he looks and says, Father, I got that from you. He's like, from me? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but several years ago, I think you were a newly ordained priest and you were offering this, uh, this class and I was there. And I just remember the way that you were talking about really our, our church history is so founded on charity and sacrifice and, and what it means to really raid, lay, lay down our lives for the poor and the humble and the most vulnerable. And that just really made an impression on me. And so I've never forgotten that. And here I have a chance to do that with my dad and I couldn't pass up the opportunity. And there, Father Dolan, like, realized, oh, <laughs> you know, what I thought was a failure, what I thought was um, pointless, meaningless, the Lord used, the Lord used, you know, and if it's like, if it was just for him, then it's worth it, right? Like it's, it's worth it. And, and that we would try to be the evaluators of the fruitfulness of our own efforts, of our own sacrifices uh, is really a prideful thing really a selfish thing. And this is at the heart of trust, right? That we would actually believe that my sacrifices united to Jesus will bear fruit. Sister Faustina says on the top of page 126, trust sees through the wounds of Christ, the abundance of life offered to me and others in my sufferings. Right? Trust sees it. Trust sees through the wounds of Christ, the abundance of life offered to me and to others. Just to conclude by saying um, that Jesus lives this out. He is the witness to this. For he on the cross is, um, you know, it's like, how much was he able to see? How much was he able to know? And in his humanity, was was he given the just a dark night to to not be able to see the the glory the fruitfulness of you know all the difference that it would make did he have to make his own acts of faith his own acts of trust in the midst of the darkness in the midst of the suffering and every attack from satan himself that was just saying it's pointless everything you're doing will be for nothing nothing will change there will still be suffering there will still be sin there will still be death and it's all a waste and that on the cross, Jesus prays Psalm 22. Psalm 22 that starts off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet this is not a prayer of despair. This is actually a prayer of hope, trust, and ultimately triumph. For the Jewish custom of praying the Psalms was you would just pray the first line. They would have the connotation of invoking the entire psalm, right? So as Sister Faustina points out, that Psalm 22, it continues. In verse 4, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. And then all the way at verse 26 and 30 and 31, it says, 
May your hearts live forever. Right here, the victory of this. Men shall tell of the Lord to the coming generation and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn that he has wrought it. Notice as sister says, his trusting love was already claiming the generations of people who would receive the new life brought in this suffering. This is amazing. And this is uh, our hope, right? That we find the meaning of our sacrifices united to his who had this perfect trust in the Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit that it would bear fruit, not only in this life, but also in eternity. I encourage you to take some time going through those intercessions, uh, invitations, excuse me. That first invitation, I've encouraged you already with the idea of offering it up. This more concretely in in this context has everything to do with intercessory prayer that those people who are in need of prayer that we might really see them and believe that the sacrifices that I make for them, the penances, the fasting that I do offered up for these people, these individuals or these situations are heard by God and answered. And the second intent invitation excuse me, that idea of making a morning offering at the very beginning that I would so live out this trust by saying, Jesus, I give you my entire day, everything that comes, the good and the bad, the ups and the downs, the joys and the sufferings. I unite it to you to bear great fruit. And the the last thing is being able to have the perspective of eternity, seeing how My suffering in this life, when offered to the Lord, united to him, actually comes to purify me, purify me such that uh, the time after death in purgatory will be less, right? That I will be purified of my own self-love, my own sinfulness by uniting my my life in, in this time, in this life, to him right now. If we are not perfectly free to be united to Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen from the dead in this life, we will have to do it in the next to be perfected. As Jesus says, be perfect as the heavenly father is perfect. No one but the perfectly pure of heart will see God. That's our invitation. And that's a process that if we could really appreciate that, we would not want to waste a single opportunity for penance, for uh, the sufferings, the crosses that the Lord allows us to have. With that, let's go to our litany at the end of our book and pray wholeheartedly for the, the grace to trust the Lord with our entire life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Litany of Trust. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances and accepting your will, 
deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me, Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me, Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you, Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering, Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next, Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan, that you are present in your church, Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else, Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me, Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others, Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked, Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift, Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you, Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God, Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one, Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.